Welcome to another episode of the Power of the Pause with Colleen Falto, Energetic Weight Loss Coach. Energetic weight loss. We're talking about the focus on weight loss in your energetic 5D body, losing the extra drama, trauma, and lack that you are carrying in your mental body, your emotional body, and your spiritual body, right? So many of us in the world today are just so focused on our 3D bodies, weight loss in our physical bodies, and what our physical bodies look like. And we are here to break the stigma, let you know how your energetic aura, your energetic body is such a bigger focus than your physical body. So today I'm joined by my dear friend, Jaleesha Jones. She's my girl. I'm so excited to have her here. And we're going to talk about dating post-narcissistic abusive relationships and how to take your power back and how to just move forward in an aligned way, healing emotionally, spiritually, mentally, and physically. Jay, welcome. Welcome. Thank you, my boo. Thank you for having me. And hello, everyone. Hello, hello, hello. Uh, I just want to just reintroduce myself. My name is Miss Jaleesha Jay. I am a self-love coach. I am also an author and I am a speaker. And I specialize in helping women just empower themselves and start on their self-love journey, especially when you're leaving traumatic situations, leaving narcissistic situations, and just really redefining who you are and coming back into the power of all that is you. So this is a good topic to talk about. We've been we've been talking about this behind the scenes. So this is a good topic to bring to the forefront for us to really get into. So I'm excited. Yeah, I mean, um, as I said on the last episode, October is Domestic Abuse Awareness Month. And it's really... Uh-huh. You know, this needs to be talked about. More women need to have resources to understand the brain damage, to understand the damage it does to your brain when you are in an abusive relationship, be it physically abusive, sexually abusive, emotionally narcissistic, whatever. You know, it really, that the trauma bond that and the cortisol levels and how it has your brain literally operating from a different part of your brain in fight or flight and survival mm-hmm. as opposed to you know the frontal lobe the executive functioning you're not able you're, you're a different person mm-hmm. absolutely it affects every bit of you you are not the same person that you were when you come into it like you once you leave out of that situation it's almost like because it affects everything, your nervous system, the way your brain works, the way your heart works, the way you just feel about yourself, the way you see yourself. It's almost like you have to pick yourself up from the bottom, like the bottom, your bootstraps and start completely over. And so there needs to be more conversations about this because I see a lot of women, we repeat the same behaviors because we don't know, we were not aware that we are in the cycle or in this space of pain because of coming out of these situations. And we need to know what do we need to look for or how can we move forward or how can we change the story? How can we change the story for ourselves so we don't have to keep doing the same thing? So we don't have to be afraid of putting ourselves out there or just letting people in because that's what it does when you are in those situations and you're in narcissistic situations, it changes everything. It's like a rewriting of your DNA almost. So it's, it completely just evaporates who you once were. And then on a subconscious level, since you're so stuck in fear and, you know, fear is a much stronger emotion over love just for everyone. Since you're Mm -hmm. so stuck in fear of, you know, feeling that pain again, you're drawing it in. And then we create this, this limiting belief system, this limiting Mm -hmm. story that all people are narcissists when in reality, they're not, there are Mm -hmm. some, 
and narcissism is a mental disorder. It's a mental, mm -hmm. it's a, you're, you're mentally ill. You know what I mean? Like there are people out there, but we get to focus on, you know, the people out there that are healthy, that are good men and women and will treat you right. Or the people that won't and whatever you're focused on is what you're calling in. We Correct. have to realize that like, we're not, you know, a lot of times we hold on to this identity for me for a while. Like part of my identity was that I was survivor of a narcissistic abusive relationship. And I tried to date again. And like, I was very guarded from it. I was very much like, like I, I would say about my last relationship just to see like Penny Red Flag. Like I thought I was protecting myself, but in reality, I was just blocking other relationships in from me. Mm, mm. I resonate with that so much. I, I you, We've had conversations about this, but I, for the longest time, I didn't even, for myself, I didn't even know I was in narcissistic relationships or in situations with, with men that were narcissistic because I would just think, you know, this person, he's being mean to me or this person's kind of controlling or he he did these things. But looking back, I, that's all I was drawing in because I had low self-esteem, because I didn't feel good about myself, because I had this fear that I would never have anything good. Like I had a fear of like good things that weren't meant for me. I always get this. I always attract this. So this Perfect. is what I meant for. So the limited belief I had, I just kept being drawn to the same type of man over and over and over and nothing changes until we actually change because like you were saying all men are not narcissists all women are not narcissists but it is the belief system that we have for ourselves that puts us in alignment to certain people for them to keep being drawn to us and attracted to us and for us to entertain them so it, it does start with us it is something that we have to be it, it's important the, the limited belief system the fear fear will trump anything unless you are doing the actual work of healing that that belief of, of yourself and, and doing it with love my narcissist told me that like i've never been like this with anyone but you you make me crazy i love you so mm. much but not and so i felt that it was me that made him crazy rather than just accepting mm. the situation that it is Rather than be like, no, this is just really out of control. You're manipulative, you're gaslighting, you're abusive, you're verbally abusive, um, whatnot, et cetera. And those are the lies that our brains tell ourselves. And, you know, the more that our intuition is talking to us and we're ignoring it, the quieter our intuition is going to get. Yeah. The more that like, like we're like, girl, this isn't right. You shouldn't have to send a screenshot of this, that you shouldn't have to go to a different grocery store because like just the craziest like hoops that, you know, that we have to go through to keep them at bay. You know, mm -hmm. um, I remember when I was in my narcissistic abusive relationship, if I like fell asleep without saying goodnight, I'd wake up in a panic because he'd be like, you're sleeping with men. No, I just fell asleep. Like I'm just sleeping. Mm -hmm. But everything that a narcissist says, every accusation a narcissist makes, is actually a confession. <laughs> Yes, right. it, it, yeah, yeah. It's um pretty much it's their own. They're projecting. They're projecting their own stuff. I know I, when I was in a relationship with one, he always he had it where I had to give him my passwords to my Facebook, to my Instagram, uh, to my Snapchat at that time because he wanted to see who was messaging me. He wanted to see who I was talking to. Uh, he had a set of rules for me. He called them 
I think they were called Jalisha rules. He had a set of rules I had to abide by as far as, you know, what I wore, uh, who I spoke to. Like I, there was a rule that I was not allowed to speak with some other men if he was not in my, if he wasn't in my presence, I wasn't allowed to look at other men and speak to them. This was, this was, and I, and I gave the power to him because I just was like, you know, he really loves me. He really, really cares me. And I would ask my other friends and they were like, girl, that's normal. They're like, girl, that's okay. He really cares about you, girl. He He's territorial. He, he wants to protect you. And I'm like, okay. You know, he had rules about, he just had different rules for everything. I had to get his permission to go anywhere, to do anything. And if I didn't abide by that, I would be so sick inside because I'd be like, oh my God, I messed up. And yeah. And and, and he would, if, if there was a problem, I remember one time I tried to speak up about something and, and it was something that he did that didn't feel good with me. And somehow he flipped it, that it, it became something I did and I caused this behavior and it was my fault. He was gaslighting me. And I remember I was, I was ended up apologizing to him for something that he had did to me that hurt me. And that was a cycle of our, our relationship. I was always apologizing for something that I didn't do. I was always made to believe that something I was crazy. Like that didn't happen. You're, you're delusional. No, no, no. And, and, and I believed it. Like I actually believed it. <laughs> so it creates, and, and I hundred percent, like very similar, very like you just get so detached from what you know to be true. And mm -hmm. but you still have this voice in your head of like, this isn't right. Like I had to go and buy all new clothes at one point. And I'm like, uh, I will, I like to go to like Lululemon. It's not cheap. Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. these clothes are fine. And I had had these, um, sh shorts for like two years before we started seeing each other. And I'm like, I've had these shorts for two years. Like they're not brand new. And I'm like going out and spending $500 on new shorts just because he wanted me to wear longer shorts. And I'm like, this is crazy. Like, uh, okay. You know what I mean? Like, but anyway, um, it creates this push pull of like the cortisol, the stress in your head. And then when you get that approval from them, the doc, the doxamine, dopamine, oxytocin, that's I combine those two, you know? And so like it, it creates this push pull in your brain and it literally causes brain damage. You're like the reptilian part of your brain is just firing and wiring and firing and wiring. And it affects your energy and every other area of your life. I owned a brick and mortar gym when I was with mine and we'd be fighting on the phone about God knows what, um, probably something I said that like, didn't even know it was going to say, you know, I remember I took my son to a pool party and he was like, where are you? And I was like, oh, I'm at a pool party with my son. It was like an end of the school year pool party. He's like, send me a picture. And so I sent him a picture and there was like a dad in the picture and it was a married dad and the dad was like not across the pool I, and he he ignored me for a couple hours because there was a man at a pool I was with my son at a pool party he's like what did you wear and I literally didn't even know the pool party was that day I went right from from picking my son up at school he's like I'm sure you wore those shorts and I'm like I it's it's June I'm wearing shorts you know what I mean and it's just, you question your reality. And then when you're going out after that, you're like, all right, what can I do to not make them upset? Because our brains lie to us and tell us that it's easier just to keep them happy. When in reality, it's only going to get worse. You're never going to make them happy. You are supply to them. You are yeah. supply to their e e ego. They're going to use you all up. 
then when you're all dried up and you don't supply their ego anymore because your soul is dying on a daily basis, they either discard you if you're lucky. If you're lucky, they discard you. I mean, like, come on. Or they're just going to start cheating on you and get new people that feed them supply. You are nothing but supply. You have to stop lying to yourself and telling yourself that this person loves you. They don't love you. They don't love themselves. They're not capable of love. This is a mentally ill person. This mm-hmm. is a sick, sick person. Mm-hmm. The sooner you mm-hmm. can accept that, the sooner you can move on. But dating post-narcissist, it's it's a process. It, it, it definitely is a process because I, I will say coming out of the narcissistic relationship, I still would... I still encountered more narcissistic behavior from men, um, men that love bombed, tell me everything I want to hear, tell me that they want to marry me, tell me that I'm the woman of their dreams. And then, you know, it would just be, it would just be so, I was so afraid because it was a lot of the signs of my relation, my ex relationship. And I was just like, I'm not doing this. Something's wrong because, because I knew if I went through this again, the fear was there. If I go through this again, what if, what if he shows up and turns out to be different? So there's that fear of like, okay, I don't want to do this again. And what happened for me is that I actually had to start doing some inner work. I had to do some, some self-love. I had to do a whole recalibrating of how I saw myself and how what my boundaries were and dealing with inner child work, like a whole bunch of shit for yeah. me to start actually learning my voice. And that takes time, right? That takes time because if we decide we're going to leave a relationship, either we're very afraid to get in that situation again, so we don't allow ourselves to open up to it, or we get back out there and we're still drawn in the same type yeah. of people. Which yeah. which further puts us in 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 hole pretty much. So it's it's a scary. It's, it can be scary. That's why it's necessary to do the work to to you be able to put flags in everyone because everything is you push out law of assumption. Mm-hmm. Your mm-hmm. thoughts are what you're calling in, and yeah. so if you focus on the red flags, then that, that's all you're going to see, and you're going to see red flags in people that don't necessarily have red flags. Yeah. Um, we also have to understand when we're taking our power back from a narcissistic abusive relationship and we're learning how to date again, that your subconscious mind doesn't have the ability to differentiate hearing the same thing over and over and reliving it like mm. something in the past, like your subconscious mind. That's why. So I go to the detox that I went to for addiction every month and I speak and I share my story. And the first time I went, like 20 minutes of it was talking about my narcissistic abusive relationship, which was very tied into my relapse and my addiction and whatnot. And I talk about protecting yourself from toxic people because as someone in recovery, you know, it's going to be really hard to stay sober when you're with someone that's abusive. It's just, it's just going to be really hard. Alcohol becomes your painkiller. Um, and I realized that like my subconscious, I, I can't do that. And so now when I share my story, about two minutes is, you know, I got in a really, really toxic, narcissistic, abusive relationship. The police were called 12 times, got a restraining order, still couldn't break the addiction to the trauma bond. Um, and we have to protect our lives. We have to protect ourselves and see as people in addiction, in addiction recovery, we cannot have toxic people in our lives. Done. That's all I need to say. I don't need to relive it because I've released it. And you know, when I first went, like for me, honestly, to sit down and spend 20 minutes, I did an episode before this on it and I talked about it, but like, 
I'd really have to like dig up like all this crazy stuff that happened because I've, I've released it from my energy field. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I'll get like little flashbacks here and there. Um, I was doing a training the other week and I remembered something that I did in a training and I did actually a four day, very intensive, um, healing thing on zoom. And he, had me log off one of the days because I wasn't be allowed to be in a zoom room with men, even though it was like a very expensive certification kind of thing where I was learning so much. And then he, he turned his phone off or blocked me. And I like for a couple hours, I like was like sitting here and I logged off the thing. And I, I, I got in trouble for doing this self-development thing because if I spent as much energy on the relationship as I did on myself, we'd be fine. I'm like, no, if you weren't mentally ill, we'd be fine. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so like occasionally stuff pops in, but it's not my identity. My identity is I'm in recovery from many things, an abusive relationship, an eating disorder, being an addiction. I'm in recovery from that. That's my identity, not mm. being a victim of it. Mm. Power. Mm. Yes, that's empowering, Colleen. Absolutely. Every bit of that. Uh, I, I resonate with that because it, my my I wrote a book. My first book I wrote is called What What It Means to Be Free. At that time when I wrote it, all of the, the pain and the hurt and the flash, the, the memories were so fresh. And it was almost therapeutic for me to write that, to get that out. But now I, I'm so, I'm not that person anymore. I'm not that woman anymore. I'm not in the state of, you know, I'm a victim of my situation. No, I, like you said, I'm in recovery and I am, I am definitely a walking, a walking, talking um, representation of, of, of healing, of really, really transformation, because that's what happens when you decide you want to do something differently, or you, you're sick and tired of going through this. You're sick and tired of being hurt and being abused and being taken advantage of. It, transformations on the other side of that. It is, it's guaranteed. It, it, we don't have to stay in the victim state. What, and, and even with now, we were having a conversation before we went live, even with dating now, like you're still gonna, there's a possibility you're still going to align with people who have narcissistic behavior, right? You're still gonna align with people uh, or they're gonna be drawn to you because you could be working on yourself. You could just be a light and you draw that into you. Yeah. Actually, because we're gonna draw in light and darkness. That's just what happens. But the, the the healing, not to look at red flags, but then you start noticing things. Oh, this is off. Oh, this isn't. Mm -mm. Yeah. This is this behavior is is not not great. Oh, this doesn't pass that that test. Like I used to look for red flags, but now I look for things that make me feel safe. Does, yes. this, feel, does this feel safe to me? No. This this I feel uneasy here. I feel I feel confusion here. I feel. Like this is this this gives me pause, and I and I'm trusting that I'm trusting my intuition now, and I want to backtrack because you said something earlier, where if if we don't trust ourselves, we don't have a connection with our intuition. So for me, just to go on a date, I won't be able to trust what I feel if something feels off. That's why it's imperative that we actually start doing the work. We actually start getting with someone or talking to someone so that we can start building that connection with ourselves so we can hear our intuition when when it's trying to tell us, hey, no, no. Yeah, because I have to say it's 
when you're healing on your own, like being alone for a little while after a narcissistic abusive relationship is important. And it's, it's really interesting to see who the narcissist is in the relationship, because a lot of times a narcissist will accuse their victim of being a narcissist. And the one that can actually be single after the relationship isn't the narcissist because <laughs> the narcissist can't be single. And so they're going to go to McDonald's and like find someone that, you know, they're, they're going to date anyone because a narcissist just can't be single and a narcissist can't be alone. They need that supply. Well, also, I would say a lot of times the narcissist is the loudest one. Right. So like when when the relationship is over, over, I've noticed that they are the ones that's always really talking a lot or they're telling their friends stuff that happened or they're bad mouthing you to people like people, you know, or your friends or what you did wrong or what they never have accountability for themselves. So, you know, they never say they're part of anything. It's always projected as it was you. It was you. Yeah. It was this them and that to me is a, you made a, me do this you made me act like a psycho I'm only like this because you make me crazy no you're crazy own your shit <laughs> but it's really important to be alone post-narcissistic abusive relationship and then mm-hmm. not until you date does this stuff come up then when you start to date you're like oh wow I thought I was over this yeah yeah like, oh wow I thought I was I was over this and that's when you really um you know, allow yourself to see what suppressed energy, suppressed trauma needs to be released. And Mm -hmm. like, you get to hold your standards and your boundaries super high. Now my standards, my boundaries are super, super, super high. Mm -hmm. I want to be in my world. You know, I know where I was. I know what I've been through. I know where I'm going. It it, takes a lot. I'm not going to tolerate just anything from anyone. You got to show up. You got to show up consistently you got to be positive. And another thing too, is anyone that I'm seeing, I will not be anything, but just going on a date, seeing you outside of the house for the first three months, because you don't really know someone for three months. I'm not going to get intimate with anyone before three months, at least because after three months, the mask comes off. Mm. After three months, I've seen you through some situations. I've seen you through Mm. You know, I've seen how you support me. I've seen how you show up. I've seen this stuff. And I can mm-hmm. see a little more clearly who you really are. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. All of that. I, I always tell, I tell myself and I tell any client, any person that's going through their dating phase. Um, I read this book called, I, I forgot what the author, but it was like calling in the one you love or calling in your, your person. And one of the things that really stuck with me, she said, you need to write down, you need to write down a list of character traits or things that you absolutely need in a partner to feel safe, to feel loved, to feel validated, write that list and then take a circle five, five things from that list that are of the absolute importance. That's what you set your boundaries with. And that's been my, my, my standard. That's been my baseline. Every time that I'm out here dating now, do I feel safe? Do I feel, is this person consistent? Is this person honest and, and trustworthy? You know, uh, is this person, are they, are they, are they provided the date? Are they able to take care of themselves? Are they, are they, are they efficient with themselves? Are they self-sufficient? Like there are certain things that I need for myself and every single one of us have different needs and have different wants that we absolutely need. But do I feel actually seen and safe in this relationship? Is this something, is it, is it temporary? And, and I like the, the thing you said about the intimacy, because I used to always lead with, if it felt good, 
but we finna we finna go ahead and, and do it all and then i would get <laughs> and then i would get caught and lost in the sauce but you have for me personally because i know my i know my my experience of what i normally do that i'm i'm all in in the very beginning I have to take a step back and let someone show me who they are because a lot of people will tell you things and especially with social media, people watch you, people, people are trying to gauge you and people are trying to, yes. And people are trying to put on their best impression to impress you. When you meet someone, they're trying to impress you. So you don't really know this person, you know what they're trying to show you. You got to give that person time to actually show you who they are. A person can be, he could be nice to you today and, and showing you the world. And then he may fall off the next, next month or so. And you're like, what the hell just happened? Yeah. Well, this is, this is really who he is. So we have to pay attention to that because I think a lot of times with narcissistic behavior, a lot of us are trying to get back to the way it was in the beginning instead of taking oh, that yeah. they are, at, <laughs> instead of accepting them for who they are, who they, who they show up as later Jeez. or something. You were going to marry me. Like, like, ew, thank God they didn't. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, normally when you're dealing with narcissists, sex is a whole big thing for them because it's their show. Sex with a narcissist (laughs) is their show. It's like they're like whatever. And so my ex-narcissist and I had a very sexual relationship. We would have sex for like an hour, an hour and a half, like ritualistically every day. It was exhausting. Mm -hmm. Like when we broke Mm -hmm. up, I was like, I had my body back. God, it was like when you have a kid and then you're you're pregnant, then you're nursing and then you're done. You're like, Oh God, I have my body back. And so for me, like I had to do a lot of forgiveness work and a lot of healing work about like womb clearing, allowing this person, you know, to be so intimate with me. That was so abusive with me. And then to be so intimate and then the abuse and the intimacy, it was very traumatic for me. Um, you know, that's actually why I got into neuro linguistics programming because, um, I had to rewire the neural transmitters in my brain because I would drive by, we live in the same town and he's a very common car and I would drive by it all the time. And I would literally physically start to shake from the trauma that I stored from the relationship. I felt so unsafe around this person. Mm-hmm. He, when we were living together, he'd wake me up screaming or after he moved out, he would call me like one o'clock in the morning every night. And I would be up, I, I literally um, was on sleep medication, was diagnosed with PTSD. My mom would go to me and she'd be like, why would you answer the phone? I'm like, well, mom, like it just wasn't an option not to like, mm-hmm. and you're, you're in such brainwash, but you know, I talk about this so that people can relate and people can see that like the only way out is through, you have to see the brain manipulation. You have to see the damage you're doing. And I know there's a woman listening to this. I know baby girl that it feels a lot easier just to get through the day and to keep them happy. It is not easier. It is not easier just to get through the day. It is easier to do the hard thing and get your fucking life back and get this person out of your life and learn how to love yourself because you've lost a lot of self-love in this. You didn't have self-love to begin with. I'm sorry to say it, but if you got in a relationship with a narcissist, you did not have full self-love to begin with. But any of that you had, you've lost it through this person. So take it for a lesson, get your life back, and then move on. You are worth more. It is so much better to be alone than to be with someone give you giving you cognitive dissonance and fucking with your brain wiring all day. I don't care what they make. I don't care how they how good they are in bed. I don't care any of it. You can do it all on your own. Living proof right here. Get a magic wand. 
I, I would say if, if the only time that you feel loved is when you are in bed with them, that's a problem. If the only time that you feel that you have a connection with them, that they actually care for you is when you're sleeping with them, that's a problem. Yeah. Uh, I know when in my situation, I was sexually abused by my narcissist. And so the, like his sexual need was high, but because I had no no love for myself, I let him do whatever he wanted to me. And he completely disrespected every bit of me. Uh, it was like I was trash to him. And and. And I, I didn't even think about this until you started talking because it's been so far removed from me. But that whole, it, I couldn't even have sex with, I couldn't even be intimate with other men after that situation because it traumatized me. I was legit afraid of not being in my power. I was a, legit afraid of being used and taken advantage of again. So it completely, it, it's not just the brain, it, it completely just warps every bit of you, just every bit of you. Yeah. And and I, I, I really want people to understand that it's, it's really easy for someone to say, just get out. It's like, okay, just get out. But look, there's no other solution. There is no other solution because we are telling you because we've been there. I've been at the bottom of the bottom. And as you stated, they, until normally we don't leave, they discard your ass. They, he discarded me. He, he left me and, and it, it could be he leaves you or they leave you or they decide they want to cheat. They want to just continue to do whatever they want to 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 feed their supply. OK, and even if they do leave, they're going to come back. They're going to try to come back. They're going to try to get back in your in your grace because either their their supply they have now they don't want anymore or it's over and they want to come back to you to get some more. OK, because they still feel that they own a piece of you or they have a piece of you. They, they still feel like they're tied to you, but you're worthy of more. You're worthy of absolute more. There's a reason that they felt drawn to you because they saw who you were. You may not have may know you may not know who you are, the light that you are, the gift that you are, but they saw that. That's why they needed you. That's why they need you for their supply. That's why they came to you. You yeah. have to be, you have to, anybody that's watching this, reach out to a coach, reach out to a mentor, reach out to somebody that's actually been through this situation that can help you. Because you don't have to do this stuff alone. You do not have to walk this path alone. There is other choices. The healing journey is it on? Is it? Is it? Does it feel wonderful? Hell no. But I know it feels better than what what you're going through right now. It has to. It does. I mean, and and again, I think this is a good thing to close on. Like we we lie to ourselves by saying it's just easier to stay in it. It's just easier. Like they're never going to change. It's just going to get worse. It's like addiction. It, it is an addiction. Your brain gets addicted to the dopamine, the oxytocin, but it's like addiction. It's a mm. progressive disease. You are not that special that the laws of the universe don't work for you. Mm. Sorry, Bill. Sorry. Jay, I love talking to you as always. Where can everyone find you? Yes, love. I love talking to you as well. Everybody, everybody tap in. You can follow me on all social media platforms, TikTok, Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram um, at M-S-J-E-L-I-S-H-A-J, Miss Jaleesa J. Hit me up. Let's, let's get into it. I, I, I'm here. Hear me up. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. And I'm at Colleen Falto on all platforms too. My Facebook group, Physically Fit and Spiritually Fed. I got a ton of stuff in there. I go live daily. Welcome to join in on the fun there. Um, free coaching Friday every Friday. I can't believe tomorrow's Friday. I'm like, whoa, it's Thursday. <laughs> well, thank you all so much for listening, Jay. Thank you again so much. I love you so much. And everyone, if you're listening to this, if you can like, rate, review, share with a friend, that will be so appreciated. <laughs>